No, it's not. It's oh, it is three thirty. Jake, yo, man, whatever. <laughs> Let's hope Jake is there, shall we? Oh, and now yes, Jake is here. Jake is there. Hey, everybody, I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. It is 27 October Friday. It's so weird to have one of these when there's a Speaker of the House. Anyway, I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us on this podcast and our YouTube live stream. It's Friday, and that means it's time for Economics on Tap, our weekly happy hour episode where we have all the jokes. That was, that was a good one. That was a really, really good thank one. You, thank I, you. More power to you. A little you. Washington humor right there. Uh, I know, we're so such we will nerds. do what we usually do on a Friday. Uh, we'll get some news. We'll take a break, uh, and then we'll do half full, half empty. Empty, rather. I think Drew's around this week, um, and we will also uh, quickly peruse uh, the beverage uh, charts in the Discord and the YouTube chat and all that jazz. What uh, What do you have going on, Ms. Adams? Oh, I outsourced my uh, my drink this week because I had this random collection of booze in my house. And so I did what that bartender who I ran into a while back did. And I plugged all of my ingredients into ChatGPT. And I said, oh, give me so a funny. Halloween-themed cocktail using any or a combination of these ingredients. And I got a bloody bourbon sour, which has bourbon, oh. Campari, Cointreau, lemon juice, simple syrup, and then an orange twist or a cherry for garnish and i made it and it is bloody looking for sure how does it taste can't see your face well i'm about to try it because this is the thing because you know chat gpt hallucinates and it makes stuff up so this may not be good it sounds okay it sort of seems like there's a lot going on in there it's good it's good it's not like the best cocktail i've ever had but it's drinkable it's good. It's All not right. bad. It's That's not a plus. Bad. Okay. That's a plus. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm having uh, I'm having a cup of coffee in my Puabic mug because uh, my wife and I have a dinner date this evening with another couple, and it doesn't start until seven thirty tonight. Uh, and if I start drinking now, I'm just never going to make it. I'm just never going to make it. I was about to say so your day I'm starts at what, like five or three? Four four forty in the morning. <clears throat> four forty in the morning. You are yes. you're a good man. Uh, good man. Well, All right. Let's own, see what everybody else is doing. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> There's snow in the forecast in the Twin Cities. Thirty six degrees. Jesus. It's like almost 80 here. I don't know if y'all can see. I'm sweating. It's so hot in D.C. Um, Kyle from Illinois in the Discord is drinking one of my last spotted cows uh, from a Wisconsin camping Mm. trip a few weeks ago. So it's called New Glarus Brewing Company, and it's a spotted cow beer uh, is the name of it. (laughs) Sorry. You know I don't know beer. No, that works. Uh, Let's Uh, see. What else we got? Prosecco going on. We got, uh, let's see, oh, there's snow in Denver, too, this weekend. Man, it's snowing everywhere. Steve from New Jersey is drinking Duck Duck Juice, an IPA from Zero Gravity Craft Zero Gravity Craft Brewery in Vermont. Not as hazy as the name sounds. <laughs> oh, interesting. It, well, you, you hear, all right, so a little beer insider. You hear juicy yes. and you think hazy in the title, and that's, you know, that's what it is. Well, That's you saw it, the wait, IPA we, that wait, I had. I, I, I just did. Let's <laughs> let's break the fourth wall here a little bit. So, Kimberly, maybe you talked about this while I was gone. Kimberly put the thing in the, in the in the Make Me Smart Slack of her holding in one hand a can of, um, I think it was Voodoo Ranger IPA, and she says, uh, IPA in the wild. What she didn't mention was what was in her other hand, which were some throwing knives. And she was at one of those places, clearly, where you can go and throw yes. axes and knives and all this jazz. And I think you should tell people how you did on the throwing of the knives thing. That's the important part. 
I, I did decent enough. Apparently, I was very accurate with my aim, even if the knife didn't always stick in the target. But I, I should also acknowledge I had a little bit of a, a, an advantage because during when I was living in Egypt and they like locked down the country during all the protests and everybody was stuck in their yeah. houses for a long time, I set up a throwing knife target in my apartment and I <laughs> killed time oh by throwing knives at some old cardboard <laughs> from a refrigerator box and you know, it was a good stress relief. Do, so that's. Do, do you remember that? Of course you remember that time. We were out at UCLA and I was interviewing former Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and the mm -hmm. crowd was, was rambunctious, shall we say, and there mm -hmm. were some protests and, and you were yeah. like, you were on me like green on beans, baby. You were like clearing the path <laughs> for me to get out of there. I'm like, I feel safe. Kimberly's here. It was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Says the, says the military uh, guy. I love it. Yeah, all right. You know, uh, it was we... all good. It was all good. All right. Anyway, go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, so let's get to the uh, news, or unless we missed anybody else's drinks. Yes. Did we get? Okay. We got news. Okay. Uh, I think we did so, some. Yeah. We did some. All right. So this actually, I missed earlier in the week, and it's actually a really big deal. Uh, the National Labor Relations Board came out with its final rule on the joint employer rule. Now, this came up a while back under the Trump administration because under the Trump administration, the NLRB changed the rule about who could be considered an employer or, or tweaked it a bit to say that unless you were like directly supervising somebody, you were not in joint, you were not an employer and you were not bound by the rules of an employer in terms of labor law, in terms of, you know, who's responsible mm -hmm. if somebody sues you in terms of staffing and all these other requirements that that kick in when you are labeled an employer and the Trump administration said you're not an employer unless you like are directly in charge of somebody why this matters is if you're a fran say you work at a any kind of franchise McDonald's or Taco Bell or, or whatever and you have a problem you can't sue Taco Bell or McDonald's mm -hmm. you have to sue your direct franchise owner with no liability for McDonald's or Taco Bell even if it's some sort of systemic problem, right? Because they're not your employer. And mm -hmm. this um, caused a lot of problems. And so the Biden administration, NLRB, has updated this rule to change, um, change this. I'm gonna read from CBS News here. Um, which describes it as the final rule announced Thursday by the National Labor Relations Board would classify companies such as franchisees and contractors as an employer if they control basic conditions of work, such as pay, scheduling, and supervision. In a stroke, that would make fast food giants, retailers, technology players, staffing firms, and many other businesses that hire workers on a contract basis more accountable for violations of labor law. So this is according to one expert that talked to CBS Money Watch. Obviously, the industry is in an uproar. Um, the regulation is opposed by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the National Retail Association, uh, the American Hotel and Lodging Association president is against it. I saw an article from Freight Waves, which is about trucking, mm -hmm. and they're mm -hmm. worried that uh, the rule is going to trigger higher trucking costs because a lot of truckers are independent contractors and things like that. So this is going to be uh, probably subject to quite a few legal challenges, but it's really interesting. And if you know somebody who works for a fast food or any kind of franchise and uh, this, this affects them directly. So that came out well, and there's it, just too much news. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It, one of the reasons it's really interesting is that when was the last time you heard fast food workers and uh, tech workers lumped into the same employment category or same employment, mm. you know, story, right? 
Um, it's it's really interesting. And so, as you said, there is a different set of vested interests at play here with those companies, right? The tech companies versus the fast food franchisees and all that. And it's going to be curious to see how this plays out. But but it's going to be in court for a long time. As I mean, because it looks like this would apply to Uber drivers and things mm -hmm. potentially, which was a huge right. because I'm looking at the Freight Waves article under the new standard. Um, a company may be considered a joint employer with another company if the two share one or more of the employee's essential terms and conditions of employment, which are now defined exclusively as, so they have to hit one or one or more of these, wages, mm -hmm. benefits, and other compensation, hours of work and scheduling, assignment of duties to be performed, supervision of the performance duties, work rules and directions of governance performance, tenure of employment, including hiring and discharge, and working conditions related to safety and health. That scoops up a lot, a lot of these big companies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, it totally Lots of litigation does. to come. Totally does. Uh, all right. So I just want to follow up on a, on a thing that you mentioned the other day. And we have new data now out on in response to a question from me. Um, you weren't mm. just geeking out all by yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, we have new data out on Congress and its relative popularity. It's a report out today. It's data out today from Gallup, which, of course, is the, the surveying institution. So here's what they say. I had asked you about popularity of Congress and you gave a number mm -hmm. in the, the mid-teens somewhere. Right. So according the, to we hadn't right. gotten the latest Gallup report. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. So uh, according to the latest Gallup survey, Congress and congressional approval breaks down this way. Do you approve or disapprove of the way Congress is handling its job? Independence, 19 percent approve. Democrats, 10 percent approve. Republicans only 8% approve, and that has dropped four percentage points in the last month. So the the kerfuffle, shall we say, over the Republicans <laughs> choosing a speaker has damaged the institution so, so gravely that it is now among the majority party in the House, its party members think, uh, the base actually, thinks um, only 8% of them approve of the way Congress is doing its job. Um, so I thought that was really interesting and really distressing. Here's a, one more data point and then another subjective thing. So, and I'm just going to read this from Gallup. Roughly equal mm. proportions of Republicans, 22%, and Democrats, 20%, name the government as the most important issue facing the country. Okay? Think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. Okay. In September, the three groups, independents, Democrats, and Republicans, were about equally likely to cite the government as the nation's top problem. 18% of Republicans, 17% of independents, and 19% of Democrats. So a fifth of the country across the political spectrum thinks that the government is the biggest problem we have. Now, they probably think it for completely different reasons. Republicans think it's mm -hmm. a problem probably because it's too big. Democrats think it's a problem because it's not doing enough. And independents, who knows? But the fact that we think collectively, 20% of us, that the government's problem is really not good. It's just not I good. I what that's going to do to voter turnout. Like, I don't voter know. apathy is always such an issue when it comes to elections. And if everybody thinks yeah. government is the problem, how many people are just going to stay home uh, in what's going to be a you bet. crucial election? Totally. Totally. And, and, and I'll tell you, this is a sample size of two, actually three. Right? <laughs> I've got three kids now who can vote. Okay. Um, and, and they're just not inspired by anything that's going on in the American political system right now. 
and it, it troubles me deeply as a, as a guy who, you know, values civic uh, obligations and public service, national service, all that jazz, right? Listeners to this podcast know my deal. Um, I find that really hard to handle. I don't know. I've, I'm, I can be a rather petty person. Um, I feel like it's a skill I've cultivated over time and I value <laughs> it and cherish it. And I really appreciate the pettiness of Gen Z. And I think that um, a lot of them will be driven to vote by pure just like spite and pettiness. And so I think that will kind of boost voter turnout a bit. Okay, but what do you think spite and pettiness is going to do for their vote? What what how's that how's that going to play out? You you make somebody angry enough and they will hold on to that anger and then deploy it in mass. And I wouldn't be surprised if we and, see like Gen Z coming out in mass on very targeted issues without talking about it a lot at least in a way that the olds hear it. Right. And so what we will have is negative voting, right? Voting against somebody. Mm -hmm. As opposed to voting for somebody because of their policies and, and what have you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's my suspicion. Hmm. I, I buy that. I, I totally buy that. Uh, okay. So that's the news. Uh, we'll do a break, pay some bills, uh, and then we come back. Uh, Drew Jostad, half full, half empty. You all know how it goes. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Okay, welcome back. We are now going to play our wonderful game, Half Full, Half Empty, which is hosted by our very wonderful Drew Jostad. Drew, take it away. All right. Are you half full or half empty on overemployment? This was the story uh, about people carrying multiple jobs at once. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> because it aired on my show, but that's okay. I don't remember it. Uh, never mind. It was Chris and Trump. It was a great little It piece. was a never mind. busy news yeah. week. So this yeah. is basically um, because of remote work, especially, a lot of people are able to carry on multiple gigs at once, either because they can manage their time differently or they're taking on additional jobs on the weekend. And um, I am half empty on overemployment just because I think it's 
going to trigger burnout. And I'm, I'm glad people are making as much money as they can. And I think it ties into the sort of um, quiet quitting, do only like the what you have to do for your job, which then leaves you more capacity to do other things. But I also worry about people not having any downtime. Um, and, you know, I know several people, myself included, juggle multiple responsibilities and it can be hard. It can be hard. So I'm going to be half empty on that. But I also wonder if the overemployment trend is, you know, we, you were talking on your other show today about how consumers keep spending despite mm -hmm. inflation, despite everything mm -hmm. else. I wonder if this overemployment trend is helping goose some of that spending because people right. rather than lower their standards of living or pull back on spending they're just working more to continue paying for the lives that they're used to living right i think that's exactly right and i agree with everything you said and it's entirely possible that once um price levels look they're never going back to where they were that's not the way the economy works but once they uh, mm -hmm. normalize a bit maybe the phenomenon of people having to be overemployed kind of goes away. Don't know. Don't know. Yeah. So I'm guessing you're half empty also. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I forgot I have to actually That's say right. the words. All right. Next. <laughs> All right. Next story comes from The Economist by way of the Make Me Smart newsletter. They have a database of film run times going back to 1930. The average movie is 24% longer and the most popular movies are almost 50% longer. Are you half full or half empty? Can I go first? Can I go first? Oh Can goodness. I go first? Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I'm so empty on movie bloat. It's ridiculous. The idea that Martin Scorsese, genius though he is, an incredible story. I know I'm ranting. Incredible story <laughs> though it is, the killers of the flower moon, right? The idea that he needs three hours and 26 minutes to tell that story, you have got to be kidding me. Now, I know that in 1939, Gone with the Wind ran four hours and they took an intermission, but let's let that be the outlier, please. Movies today are bloated, especially superhero movies and all the Marvel Universe and whatnot. Give me a good 90-minute, two-hour movie, and I'm happy. Okay, I'm done. Huh. That's okay. So uh, Noelle uh, King, who used to work at Marketplace, but who's now yeah. over at Today Explain, she messaged me. She was like, hey, do you want to go see Killers of the Flower Moon with me? And I was like... <sighs> <laughs> I know. My wife wants to go um, see it, and I'm like, sweetie, really? It's. It looks like a great movie. It's an important story, but it's really long. And also, it's going to be really depressing. And I found that the depressing mm -hmm. movies, I want to watch at home where I can cry in peace. You know, like, let me be depressed yeah. and morose on my couch in my hoodie footy pajama. You know, like, let me live my life with wine. And, you know, I've been, like, I, I, I went to see, um, oh, my gosh, how did I, Oppenheimer which was long mm -hmm. and we were strategizing like, yep. you know, what are we gonna drink when we're in the theater? Who, who, you gotta do the bathroom break before, like, you know, how are you gonna manage your time? And, and you know, where's the bathroom? So you know where it is when as soon as you get out. And it's like, come on, that's not fun anymore. Totally. Um, totally. I did enjoy the movie, but come on. So look, I'm gonna look, go uh, half uh, empty. Uh, I'm not yes. all the way empty like you because some, I, I as somebody who tends to write long, <laughs> in my features yeah. um, i know how hard it is to to cut and, and kill your your children as you're editing um so i, I feel for them but i don't want to sit through it so to, no. to be to be clear my rant here is movie agnostic oppenheimer <laughs> i loved it's right in my sweet spot of the history that i follow and i read the book and it's amazing and holy cow what what incredible history and all of that jazz the movie was too damn long 
Could have cut 40 minutes. Easy. Easy. You should make a political party like the Rent is Too Damn High party. The movie is too damn That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, now we anyway, get the Drew. explicit rating thing. Sorry, Bridget. <laughs> uh, sorry, Bridget. Half full damn or half empty. That's ridiculous. On strategic retention, a.k.a. labor hoarding. Oh, so this is a story that aired on my show yesterday about what's happening in the labor market, which is to say, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Trovall did it, I think, um, which mm -hmm. is to say that part of the reason, part of what's happening as the labor market is so tight is that employers are not really willing to let people go as easily as they used to be because they're afraid of not being able to hire people in an unemployment uh, with an unemployment rate of 3.8%. Um, I'm not sure that's great. Um, but I, I guess I'm half full because it keeps people employed. I don't really know, actually. I'm kind of, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go half full only because, um, employees had so little power relative to employers for so long. For so long, yeah. I think that, and you did this story, uh, you did the interview the other day about CEO pay and mm -hmm. how that's changed over time and, and, you know, just how little relative power and compensation that employees had right. relative to employers. So I feel like this employee hoarding golden handcuffs, as some people call them, um, is a good thing in on the individual basis for employees. I don't know that it's great for the overall economy because yeah. people job hopping and moving into different skill sets and different jobs is you know what often creates innovation and and growth and i'm i'm thinking about somebody sitting in a job where they're paid very well well enough to be comfortable and not be looking around that then doesn't take that job that puts them in the position to do something that's going to create mm -hmm. some meaningful growth or or you know, invent mm -hmm. something that's going to be really helpful to people. Right. So I'm going to say a, a caveatedness ha with caveatedness, a caveated yeah. half full. Fair enough. Fair enough. Half full or half empty on businesses with SEO bait names. <laughs> story was so funny. <laughs> okay, so this was a great story. Um, about a restaurant that basically i think it was it thai food near me Correct. or uh yes yeah. okay so they made the name of the restaurant thai food near me which oh you know God. whenever you're searching on google especially on google maps or something and you're looking for restaurants near me or such and such near me or thai food near me you know whatever is closest to you will show up but since they named their company thai their restaurant thai food near me they always show up <laughs> Top of the search results, even if they're not close. And I think it's brilliant. I love, you know, this this ties directly into all these fears of AI and, you know, computers mm -hmm. taking over the world and everything. There will always be people who find a way to leverage technology right. to their benefit and work with it. And those will be the winners. And I'd love for them to win. So half full. Yeah, half full. I, I think it's great. It's super clever. Now, it's it's great and super clever once. Let's not everybody do it, right? No, not everybody. Like they did yeah. it. We got yeah. the idea. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Don't be tacky with it. <laughs> exactly. Is this the poll? Correct. Last one. Uh, 
All right. So people who are watching on YouTube and able to uh, engage in the YouTube live stream chat, uh, this is their chance to weigh in on Half Full, Half Empty with your vote, whether you're half full or half empty on the topic that Drew will now present to us. Kai and I will vamp for a bit, maybe tip our hat hat a tiny bit. Hopefully not, but we'll try not to. Go ahead, Drew. All right. According to a survey from the National Retail Federation... Uh, Halloween costume spending is expected to be up 14% this year to $4.1 billion. Are you half full or half empty on Americans' Halloween costume obsession? Go ahead, Kai. I know you have feelings. I, I, I have absolutely nothing to say. I, my silence will speak for me. Is that bad? Is that bad? What would a, what would a Kai Rizdal costume look like? I, I don't to design it, it. I don't. It, so, so Tony Wagner, if he's listening to this, will surely put in the chat that thing that he re-upped on social the other day about God. What was it? It was some like costumey thing of man talking on man talking on radio doing business news or something. Um, mm -hmm. And it was and Tony was like Kai. Um, and it was like <laughs> a kid in a suit and a tie. It was it was very dorky. Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there is no, I can't, I got nothing. I got nothing. Hmm. I got nothing. Let's see. You? What would a Kimberly Adams costume look like? Yeah. I think at this point it's yeah. going to have knives since you just put all that out there. <laughs> <laughs> at this point it's going to have knives. Okay. Well, we've got that squared away. Thank you very much. Knives, cherry blossoms, <laughs> cocktails. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, actually, this so year it's... I have spent $0 on Halloween costumes because I have <laughs> enough residual costuming from years prior <laughs> to where I had multiple options so on saturday i'm gonna go i'm probably gonna wear like one costume that's a little bit lower key and easier to put on and then on halloween itself for that halloween party including maybe a make me smart party uh in that party i'll probably have a more elaborate costume um and then guy's face he's like what what i don't know no it's radio nobody will see nobody will know nobody will know nobody, nobody will know, know if we're that's wearing true. costumes that's true. Um, That's true. But <sighs> did spend money on today. My sister wants to take um, holiday photos. So when I go um, oh, back to St. Louis for Thanksgiving, God bless your sister. we're doing, I know, right? We're doing the Polar Express experience, I guess, oh. which is a train is a, thing for the yeah, yeah. So you know that movie, it's a great, the it's Polar a great kids Express, book. or the it's books? A great kid, well, it was, a, yeah. it was a kid's book first, right? Yeah, great kids book. Kids book, terrible movie, movie. And I didn't see the movie. But anyway, they have yeah. like experiences that they do. And so my sister has decided that we should all family, and I think there will be many of us, wear pajamas on this, matching oh pajamas. Oh and some of, some like the kids, and I think some of the guys are gonna be wearing like hoodie footy Christmassy pajamas, oh those who choose to engage. Whereas she decided that for us, we should have like cutesy, like velour pajamas that are, and then she wants us to wear like hats. And you know, I love a good hat. You know, I love a hat. And I, so I today, <laughs> We were both chatting about like the fascinators that we we're gonna get and we both bought these elaborate fascinators that are like Christmassy with candy canes and ornaments on them and it's gonna be epic and you will probably see it at some point on a live stream during the holiday season. Um, and so yeah, that's, I spent money on that kind of costuming, but not Halloween this year. And I think that's enough vamping. Let's close the poll. We have 202 votes. All right. Matthew I Carroll, love your his daughter loves I, the Polar I love your Express. Enthusiasm. 
like it. All right, let's yeah. see. I'm going to vote. Whoa. Okay, so America's Halloween costume ex obsession. <laughs> oh, y'all are no fun. Half or, empty, or, 62%. or they're with me. The people are with me on this one. Sorry, just kidding. Not really. Y'all are no fun. Boo. Anyway, read, read it and weep. Read it and weep. Half empty, sixty-two percent. <laughs> half full, thirty-seven percent. With two hundred and two votes, y'all are no fun. <laughs> no fun Boom. at all. Boom. Fine, fine. Uh, fine. Is that there it, Drew? We go. That's it. That is it. Jake, hit that bottom we, sting and we'll, yeah. we'll hit it. <laughs> help us. Help us. Jake's, get me out of here. Jake, like, get me Jake's out wandering here. out into the land going, what's even happening <laughs> on the podcast? Help me out. I need to get oh, out of here. Oh, my Lord. All right. <laughs> we are done. That is it for us for today. Oh. If you've got a question or a comment you want to share with us, you know how to do it. Voicemail is 508-UB-SMART. Email us at makemesmart at marketplace.org. Sure. Yes. And so if you do want to hear more of us going back and forth Somehow. about random things or trivia, trivia, save the date because our Make Me Smart virtual trivia night is going to happen on Thursday, November the 9th, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time on the Best Coast and 4 p.m. <sighs> Pacific on the West Coast. Yes, I'm never going to for forgive you for that. Um, yes, anyway, yes. if you're an investor, marketplace investor, check your inbox. The invitation should have arrived on Thursday. If you're not yet an investor and you can give us a donation and we'd really appreciate it of five dollars or more that will make you an investor you know we we'd love to have everybody there you know investors past and present as well as uh, new investors and all the things anyway go to marketplace.org slash give smart and you'll find a link in our show notes if you want to uh, encourage our service journalism we would really appreciate it and in your donation confirmation email there will be a link to register for the event i have to say trivia last time was really fun people got fun. into it we had teams it was it was a great time so we hope you'll join us bridget will be in charge i think i think that's yes. the plan because i'm definitely not after she yells at us for our e-rating today i know right? make me smart is produced by courtney berg secret today's episode was engineered by jake cherry our intern is neil farshabandi our team behind our Friday game is Emily McCune and Antoinette Brock, who's saving me on TikTok these days. Uh, Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand. And yes, as I said, Marketplace is on TikTok now. We're, we're making videos. We're doing things. It's going to be epic. Even though it's a gonna be security epic. wreck. <laughs> what, what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly <laughs> go wrong? My lordy be. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.